So as a student, as a, I was always one that would wanted to be like the person that got the straight A's, uh, you know, that would have like, it just, they would always have the straight A's. But here was the deal. I didn't actually want to do any of the work that they did to get those straight A's, okay? Like I wanted to, to have like ace all the tests. And the thing was, is I was smart enough to probably get away with B's without doing no work. So to get A's and have to do work, I was like, eh, I don't really know if I want to do that. But there was one time in elementary school, every once in a while I'd get it in my head, all right? Then I, and maybe you're like me, where I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to try harder. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to work a little bit harder. And so there was this book report and it was all on the Civil War. And my teacher laid out a bunch of different novels that were about the Civil War. And because I was in this mindset of just like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do hard things too. I went and picked the thickest book that was in that list, okay, of things. I could have picked a book that was like 100 pages. This was in third or fourth grade, all right? And I chose like this romantic Civil War drama novel that was like 400 pages, all right? And I was supposed to write a book report chapter by chapter. Every single chapter I was supposed to write a report on, okay? I missed like a month's worth of recess for this stupid thing because I could not get through this book. It took me forever. And at that moment on, I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna not try so hard, okay? Because when I try hard, I don't get to go to recess and I really like recess. But I picked the big book. And I think sometimes when we look at the Bible, we picture it as a big book. Where it's like, man, that, that's, that's the big book. Can we, is there like a spark notes or, you know, is there something else that I could read? Like a synopsis, just a quick one, you know. Is there one with pictures? There is Bibles with pictures, actually. But you know what I'm saying. And so we last week started to talk about this book. And we were trying to make this big book or this long story short. We tried to break it down for you to realize that it's not quite as big of a book as you would think. And here's the deal about this book. This book is different than any other book in the world. This book is different than anything you will ever pick up, all right? It's not the same as any a textbook. It's not the same as a guide or an instruction manual. It's not the same as your favorite fantasy novel. It's not the same as anything that you've ever read. This is not just a book. And so here at 4640, we spend a lot of time talking about this book because scripture says the book tells us that it's more than that, that it is actually God's living word, that it is God's words. So when I speak, these are my words. This was God's words. No other book can claim that. No other book can prove that that is God's word. But this right here, the Holy Bible is God's word. And so last week, we kind of broke it down a little bit. We talked to you guys about how, okay, it's not just one big book, but it's actually a bunch of little books. So everybody can see this. And it's, it's, a lot more, it's a lot more palatable if you do that, okay? It's like, okay, now you don't just have to read one book. It's actually a collection of books. If you want to read a book of the Bible in less than 10 minutes, then all of a sudden you come right here down here and you pick up Jude or 3 John or 2 John or 1 John. They're literally like two chapters and two pages long. You can get those read in 10 minutes. Not even, even if you're a bad reader, okay, you could still get those done in 10 minutes. If you were like me in elementary school and you're like, I'm going to pick the big book, then you go straight for Jeremiah or Psalms, okay? Those are the big books. 
but you can pace yourself. You can pick something, but in it, there are 66 books. Now, they've broken up. Like we said, there's the Old Testament. This is all the books that were written before Jesus. This is the time of God's people known as the Israelites. So literally the country of Israel, that was the place where these people started and became a nation and they did good things and then they did bad things and then they did good things and then they did bad things. And this whole story is just up, down, up, down. We love you, Jesus. We forgot about you, God. We're gonna worship this guy. And then we're gonna, no, no, we changed our mind. We're gonna worship you. It's back and forth, all right? It's craziness. Then all of a sudden, 400 years, not a book is written. Nothing. After Malachi, 400 years, dead silence. They do not hear God speak in those 400 years, and they don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden, this carpenter from Nazareth shows up and starts doing incredible things. And he's not just doing incredible things, he's claiming incredible things. Things you would only claim if you were either what you claim or if you were insane. Because he claims to be the son of God. And as we know that that's, you're either right or you're crazy if you're going to claim that. But the things he did made everybody pay attention. The stories that were written in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are about everything that Jesus did and everything that he said. Now, it would be one thing if a guy showed up and did some cool stuff. Maybe it would get written about. Because here's the deal. Back then, it was hard to write stuff down. It's not like you could just pull out your phone and be like, wow, that's really interesting. I think we're gonna type about that right now or voice to text it. No, you were like, you had to go find, you had to go make your own piece of paper. You had to like shave down some wood and then like press it. And then you had to go pluck a feather from a goose. And then you had to go like milk an octopus's ink. I don't know how they got the ink, but right. You had to do all this stuff in order to just write down things. You only wrote down things that mattered or that were important. And somehow we have copy after copy after copy of the things that Jesus did. And it wasn't just the fact that he did miracles and he healed people and he fed 5,000 people with five loaves and three fish. It wasn't just those things, but it was what happened at the end of his life where he died on a cross. Now, if he would have just died on a cross, I don't think we'd be talking here. We wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be talking about what he did, but it was the next thing that he did where in three days later, like that last song we were talking about, says that he rose again from the dead. Now, that's incredible. That's something worth writing down. That's something worth protecting. That's worth something dying for, which people did to make sure that people could hear about what Jesus did. And then the rest of the books are about the church and the growth of the church and how we should live our lives like Jesus. So we have this basic breakdown of the Bible, but still it just feels like it can be this big book. But like I said, it's not just a book. And we can trust that the Bible is accurate, reliable, and untampered, and we can be confident that the Bible is definitely God's word. There is so much proof. There are so many things about this book that you go, there is no way that it was written without a divine hand guiding it. Now, here's the deal. What the Bible says, you need to understand, is the truth. What the Bible says in our lives, if we've committed to being a follower of Jesus, we can't just say, oh, I love Jesus and I want to go to heaven. When we say that, part of that is, yes, we want him to be our savior, but part of that is also making him our Lord. And the way we make him our Lord is by living our lives based off of this book, 
right here. So what this book says goes. I want everybody to stand on your feet really fast, okay? Everybody stand. Now, we're gonna play a game of Simon Says, okay? Now, you all know how to play Simon Says. I'm gonna say Simon Says something. And if you do it, you're, you're in, all right? <laughs> but if I don't say Simon Says and you do what I say, then you're out, okay? So everybody clap once. You're out. Everybody give him a hand. Oh. All right, okay, I'll give you guys another chance. Go ahead and stand up. You're all back in. Everybody's back in. If you're out, if you don't do what Simon says, you must sit down, all right? So Simon says, part two begins. Let's do it. Simon says, clap once. Nice job, you're all in. Clap twice. Nope, you're out. All right, says, Simon says, clap once. Simon says, clap twice. Clap three times. Nah, you're out. All right, Simon says, clap once. Simon says, clap twice. Simon says, lift your hands up. Simon says, lean this way. Bring it back. Oh, I got so many of you. So many of you just now. Oh, a bunch of you guys definitely went, uh, wait a second, all right. Simon says, bring it back. All right, put your arms down. Oh, so many, come on, so many, I got you so good. All right, Simon says, put your arms down. All right, clap once. <laughs> every time, Simon says, clap once. Clap twice. Every time, every time. Simon says, clap once. Simon says, clap twice. Simon says, jump up, come down. Oh. Nice try, nice try, you all lose. Take a seat. Simon didn't say to come down. All right. If Simon says, you do it. If Simon doesn't say, you don't do it. If the Bible says, we do it. If the Bible doesn't say, we don't do it. And it doesn't matter about anything in our life, any part of this world that says what we should or shouldn't do. Simon says, do it, you do it. Simon doesn't say you don't do it. If the Bible says do it, we do it. If the Bible says to not do it, then we don't do it. That's how we have to live our lives. Just like that game, we live our lives the same way with this Bible. When we're not sure what to do, do I, do, I make, do I date this person or not? Well, does, what does the Bible say? Do I, do I do this? Do I do this? Any decision in our lives, how we choose to live our lives, should I say this or not? Well, does Bible say or Bible not say? Anything. And here's the deal. We want to live our lives based off of other things besides the Bible. We want to live our lives and, and let other things guide us in our decisions, not just the Bible. It's not just, does Bible say? It's, well, what does my emotions say? Now, here's the thing we got to understand about emotions. Too many times we think our emotions need to be our guide. But here's the deal. You cannot always trust your emotions. At 11.15 in the, in the morning, when I have not eaten lunch yet, I cannot trust the words that are coming out of my mouth. Why? Because I'm so angry because I'm so hungry, all right? And so if in that moment, I feel like I wanna blow up on somebody or I'm trying to get to lunch and somebody cuts me off and I wanna say all the four letter words at them, all right? 
And I, my emotions are saying, yes, do it, kill them, all right? But that's just my emotions saying that. But the Bible doesn't say to do that. It's just my emotions that are saying that. And, and the Bible talks in Hebrews about what the Bible itself does to our emotions and how we should handle it. It says in Hebrews 4.12, for we have the living word of God, which is full of energy. Like a two-mouthed sword, it will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. So it's talking about how the Bible, all right? And this is, this is literally saying scripture, it will even penetrate. It's talking about the Bible, the words of God that it will get down to the very core. And so we want to read the Bible to make sure that it gets past the emotions of an event. How are we feeling about a situation? What are we feeling? And because too often we go, how am I feeling? And if that makes me feel a certain way, that will be how I react to that situation. But that's not what we should do. It's does the Bible say, what does the Bible say on how we should react? But too often, we try and rewrite the Bible based on our emotions. Like, let's say in Exodus 20, 12, it says this, honor your father and mother. Now, let's go to this. This is one of the Ten Commandments, one of the most important commandments in the Bible. It says to honor your mother and father. But too often, I think we want to rewrite it. So instead of Exodus, we're going to say bogus, okay, 2012. And it's going to say this in bogus 2012. Be nice to your parents unless they aren't being fair. Then feel free to go off on them, right? But see, when our parents aren't fair, when they ground us and we don't think, and they ground us too long or they take away our phones, it's our emotions that make us want to dishonor our parents, to yell at them, to get in a fight with them. But that's not how we should be living our lives. Now, we shouldn't be living our lives based on the emotion. We need to be making our decisions based on what this says. Let's look at another verse in Luke. It says, even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. That's what the Bible says we should do. When someone wrongs us and then they come and say they're sorry, we need to forgive them, which means we, for, we, we let it go. They no longer owe us anything. We forgive them. But our emotions don't want to do that. It's like instead we juke 17, 14. I don't know. I couldn't come up with 17, 4. It says, if that person wrongs you seven times, turn against them and smite them with the fury of passive aggressive insta posts and texts, right? That's what we really want to do. When someone hurts us, when someone insults us, we immediately, our emotions get in the way of how we should act. The Bible says we should forgive, but our emotions are saying another thing. Ephesians 4.26 says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. But then our emotions, our anger gets in the way. And we read it like this in Ephesians 4.26. Let anger fuel you and control you. Angry before bed, go to sleep and wake up mad too. That's what we want. That's what our emotions, we're saying, oh, I'm so mad. And we don't let it go like the Bible's saying, don't let your anger control you. Don't go to bed mad. Deal with it. Talk to God about it. We're going, no, no, no. I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be mad tonight. I'm going to be mad tomorrow morning. I'm going to be mad tomorrow night because of what they did. So we can't trust our emotions. Simon says, it's not emotions say, it's Bible says. 
Another thing we often lead our life by is popular opinions. If everybody else says it's okay, then it must be okay. If the popular opinion is that this is right or that this is wrong or that we should live our life this way or we can't live our lives that way, then that must be okay because, you know, the, the general population all agrees. And so if everybody agrees, but just because everybody says it's okay and the, if the Bible doesn't say it's okay, then we can't do that. We can't allow popular opinions at school, at home, online, from friends. We can't use those people's opinions to overrule what the Bible says. Let's look at a verse in, in Leviticus 18.22. It says this, plain and simple in Leviticus. Do not practice homosexuality. Having sex with another man as with a woman, it is a detestable sin. And we read that. That's in the Bible, okay? I didn't just pull that out of thin air. That's in the Bible. And that is so countercultural. For me to just read that verse in somewhere, all of a sudden there's going to be kickback. You're going to be like, no, that's not true. But if we are following Jesus, we have to understand that this is the absolute truth. And just because everyone around you is saying, no, it's okay, that doesn't mean it's not true. But we do. We let the popular opinions try and rewrite the Bible. And it's like in Leviticus 18.22, it's okay to be gay. It's okay to be gay. It's not a sin. That's what popular opinion would try and rewrite the Bible to say. We look at another verse in Hebrews. It says, honor the sanctity of marriage and keep your vows of purity to one another. For God will judge sexual immorality in any form, whether single or Marriage. So now this isn't just, it's not just saying, oh, if, you know, homosexuality is bad. Now this is saying any kind of sexual immorality, pornography, sex before marriage, anything that you do outside of the sanctity and the purity of a marriage is sexual immorality. But that's not what people around you would say. That's not the popular opinion. They would say like in Hey Dudes 13, 14, I, I don't know. I just came up with stupid names for this, but don't buy it till you try it works with cars, why not girls? That's what popular opinion would say. Don't get married before you live with each other. Are you crazy? How is that going to work? You don't even know if you want to live the rest of your life with this person. But the Bible is saying one thing and popular opinion is saying another thing. But we have to understand that we're trying to live our life based on this. One more, it says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. That says that in Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk is what it's saying. But how much of the college experience, some of you high school students that are heading there, or just the high school experience is about getting drunk, is about finding a place where you're, there's a party or whatever it is, and finding alcohol to numb everything and to forget everything and get drunk. But the Bible is saying right here, don't be drunk. But we want to change it. The, pop the popular opinion would say, uh, didn't say nothing about beer, uh, I'm not drunk, just buzzed. We, we would try and change, the popular opinion would try and change what the Bible says. But we don't get to change what the Bible says based on a popular opinions. We don't get to change what the Bible says based on how it makes us feel and based on our emotions because it's God's word. It's not just a book. It's God's word. And we want you to make sure that you are spending every, so much of your life living, basing everything you do based off of this book. 
because this book isn't just a book. It's a guide. It's a comfort. It's a peace. It brings joy. It brings strength. It brings confidence. So many of the things that you are missing in your life today, right now, you're going, oh, I'm so scared. Oh, I'm so anxious. Oh, I'm so worried. Oh, I'm so angry. So many of those things, the answer for those things, it's right there. And so we want you to get into your, your Bible. That's why we say, hey, get a Bible plan. Download the YouVersion app. Read your Bible. Do whatever it is you need to do to make sure that you are getting in the Bible, not just once a week, not just a couple, you know, not just here and there. Don't, every day, get into God's Word. Let, get into God's Word so that God's Word can get into you. How are you supposed to live your life based off of this book if you don't open it? How are you supposed to base your life off of Jesus's life if you don't know how Jesus lived? We have to be able to get into God's word and let it change us and let it affect us. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. Thank you for giving us your word. God, that you saved us and then you didn't just leave us with nothing. You brought us your scripture, Father God, that would change us and mold us and help us. And we thank you for it. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center podcast. For more information on what's happening at 4640, you can check us out on social media or our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights, and we hope to see you there.